You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Yolanda Lopez. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just come before you in the precious name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you, Father, for setting us free. I thank you, Father, for walking among us. Father, I would pray that in the name of Jesus, that you would just breathe on us. Just breathe on us, Father. And then with that, to ignite the light within us for the sake of the world, for the sake of our family, for the sake of our community, Father, that we live a life, Father, that others can see that we belong to you. Father, may your Holy Spirit walk among us here, Father, every row, every person. Touch them, Father, in a significant way here and in the cafe. And Father, even those that might just be walking by, strike them too, Father, in the name of Jesus, amen. I'm okay with God letting loose anytime he wants. On Thursday night, Harla died. Harla was in her 40s and leaves two daughters, ages 18 and 19. She was a recovery leader, a mentor sponsored to other women. And above all, she became a friend. She struggled with cancer until Thursday night. It was amazing because we had the privilege of being there with her. And we were her family because she had the girls, but she didn't have any other family. So we became her family, her tribe. And together we did life. We were on the front lines of battle together, fighting for others' lives and praying for others that people brought into our lives. We worked hard, but we played hard as well. We celebrated with laughter, dance, and tears. And oh, did we dance. She knew how to nay-nay like nobody I know. I tried those moves. It's a little harder on me than it was them. But we would dance for fun, and we encouraged one another. And God, in his wisdom, brought us together. And we learned by being together that we were better that way. We were there for each other and to support one another. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I have a tribe. I belong to a tribe. And each of the women in this tribe have come with their own stories, with struggles, hurts, and hang-ups. But they met, ultimately met the living God who began to change their lives and transform their lives so that when we came to a place like Thursday night, we knew that he had another plan in mind. In the past, we would have listened to the voices that said, God doesn't care. God doesn't heal. God isn't concerned about your life. And he's not concerned about Harlow's life. He's not going to do anything. The voice echoing through our thoughts. Voices of the enemy. Have you heard those voices? Have you heard those lies? Who do you think you are? You think just because you became a Christian that you are better than before? You blew it when you lied. You blew it when you hurt that person. Who do you think you are? 
Have you noticed? There's a battle around you. Are you even aware that there's a war going on? There is an enemy who's scheming against you, assaulting you, going after your emotions, your mind, your spouse, your family, your confidence, your calling, your relationships. And today, I want to make sure that you are aware that there is an enemy out there. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This war has a long history that reaches before the creation of earth. Satan, the angel who sought to be higher than God, and a third of the angels were kicked out of heaven because of that. And ever since, they've been raging a war against us. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, You need to be aware, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Basically, we shouldn't be ignorant of how he works. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So being the person that I am, when I saw that scripture prowls like a roaring lion, I had to do some lion research. So I'm going to share with you some facts that I found out. Lions hunt mostly by night or in the early mornings. And for much of the rest of the day, they kind of just lay around and not do much. But hey... They don't miss an opportunity. So if they see a prey loose by themselves or by the water, they're going to attack because they're going to take advantage of that opportunity. Here's something else I found out. Lions are not as fast as the animals they hunt. A wildebeest can achieve a top speed of somewhere around 50 miles per hour and maintain it without heavy breathing. And even a humble warthog can manage almost 31 miles per hour. And since their prey is faster, lions have developed two main hunting methods. And I want to share those methods with you. The first method is a version of grandmother's footsteps. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was young and we were all playing over here doing something travestials. You know, we were messing around doing naughty things. And we'd hear grandmother's voice saying, what are y'all doing? Oh, nothing. We're not doing anything. Well, the next thing we knew, grandmother was sneaking around. And she busted us, you know. She caught us. But she was tiptoeing around. Well, the lion stalks from cover to cover with a final burst speed at the end. He runs and catches it before they become aware. But here's a caveat. If spotted, in other words, if the antelope or the wildebeest spot the lion, the lion will sit up and stare nonchalantly into the distance, kind of like saying, who, me? I wouldn't have to get you. I'm okay. I'm just hanging around here. And then the second method is to find a bush close to something the prey needs usually water. So what they'll do is they'll find a thicket of bushes and they will go hide in those bushes near the water waiting for their prey to come in. And what happens is they'll kind of catnap in between while they're waiting for them. 
Now, so they kind of walk around silently trying to catch you. The second is they hide until you, there's something you want or need. But here's the thing. There are two things that help the lion considerably, especially because their prey is faster than they are. First, they're incredibly good at hiding and phenomenally patient. They will wait all day if they have to, but they will wait for their opportunity and the right opportunity. Secondly, the antelopes, while physically fast, are mentally not quite so bright and pay perhaps too little to attention to learning from their mistakes. Sound familiar? Oh, I think that's me, right? George Schaller, who researched lions in the Serengeti and surrounding area, recounts watching a group of Thompson gazelles crossing a patch of a thick bush in order to get a drink. And when they entered the thick bush, the lions instantly grabbed one of the gazelles and ate it. Over the next two hours, he noticed, the same group of gazelles, apparently haven't forgotten the recent attack, tried not once, but twice to get to the water using the same route. Oh, I think in recovery we say insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, the gazelles were doing the same thing and they didn't pay attention to that. See, every one of us has an enemy. And although unseen by the natural eye, the adversary is not imaginary. Satan, the devil, is real. He's a real person. He's a spirit being with intelligence, tangible characteristics, and whose incessant goal and ambition is to steal, kill, and destroy. We happen to be it. We happen to be the prey. He knows your name and addresses, your strengths and weaknesses. And somewhere in the shadows, he and his forces lurk, waiting, planning for the moment they will strike. And they'll strike when they catch you off guard away from others, where you've pulled back, where you feel alone, where you feel that nobody cares about you. They're waiting for you. And he desperately hopes that you will, as many Christians, remain ignorant of his reality so that you blame his assaults on somebody or something else. His method of operation is always undercover. Subtly, he manipulates circumstances and inspires evil thoughts or temptations. Because I know this, that while the enemy cannot read my mind, he can't read your mind. He has a good memory about the things that have drawn us away from following after God. About the things that entice us, that tempt us. In fact, I had a recovery leader say the other night, you know, the, I realized what I was doing why is it that sin is good? It feels good. I said, uh-huh. Why? Right? Temptations and disguising his activities behind people or things. He will always seek to divert attention and blame for his actions upon others. Remember? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts, of wickedness in the heavenly places. You can't see them, but they're there. The good news, because I know you came to church to hear a good word, 
an uplifting word are you going? She's telling me I have an enemy and Halloween's coming around, right? Okay. All right. So, but I got some good news for you. And the good news is that although the devil is described like a roaring lion, in reality, he has no actual authority. Get this. No actual authority over believers. Satan is a liar and deceiver and uses deception as his weapon to gain advantage over those who are ignorant of the limitations of his power. So Patricia Shire says this, let's be clear, Satan is not God and he is not God's counterpart or peer. They're not even on the same playing field. His influence, authority and power don't even touch the fringe of what God is capable of doing. But you need to be aware of him. You need to recognize his schemes. And you need to know what he's up to. When Jesus gave his life on the cross as the sacrifice for the sins of the world, he also redeemed us from Satan's power and dominion over us. I like that. Colossians 2.15 says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. 1 John 3.8 says, for this purpose, the Son of God has manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Satan is already a defeated enemy. His legal authority was neutralized by the finished work of Christ on the cross. So as a believer, you don't need to fear Satan, but realize and exercise the authority which God has given you over the enemy. See, every person whose name has ever been recorded in the Lamb's book of life, those who are saved, those who have received Christ, have been given authority over the power of the enemy. It's ours. And you have the right to use that authority in the name of Jesus to repel and drive Satan out of your territory and to break his grip over spiritual strongholds. When you recognize his activity, take authority over him in the name of Jesus. In fact, I remember a while back when I had messed up again, and, but I had repented and confessed, and, and it's like, I'm working at the house and the voices, the voice of the accuser. See, you're never going to be free of that. See, it's always going to be there. See, you can't be different. And all of a sudden, that spirit in me that is of God, all of a sudden what I did is I turned around and I said, in the name of Jesus, leave me alone. If you have a problem with that, you take it up with him. He has forgiven me. So if you have a problem, take it up with him. Do you know that I did not hear those voices again? You take your authority, the right you have as a believer, just as Jesus and the early apostles did, command him to leave you alone. Command him to leave your family alone. Command him to leave and get out of your house, of your space, of wherever you're at. That is your authority. 
I remember taking a trip to Big Ben because the kids wanted to go to Big Ben. And I remember they said, uh, yo, let's go to Big Ben. We want to go camping. And I looked at them, camping? Yeah, what does camping mean to you? You know, well, we want to take the tents and everything, and we want to go camping. I said, you know what? They have a lodge at that park, all right? Y'all go camping. I'll stay at the lodge, and I'll come out and meet you during the day. And then I'll come back to the lodge. Well, we wound up staying at the lodge altogether. Well, at the lodge, you can sign up to take tours of the park. And so we signed up to take tours. And, of course, they decided to walk this many miles. I, on the other hand, wanted this low-end one. And so we decided to start off together. Now, here's what happened. We had to meet with the park ranger. And the park ranger gave us instructions. All right. So the park ranger comes out and he said, the first thing you need to be aware of is you need to be on the alert. That's what the scripture says. You need to be on the alert. You need to be aware. And the park ranger says you need to be on the alert because there are big black bears and mountain lions that can approach you. And I'm thinking to myself, ooh, you know, that lodge looks better and better every day. Bears, big bears, mountain lions, we might run into those. And he said, yes. And so I'm just kind of, everybody's real excited about this. And I'm sitting back here thinking, oh, okay. Let's see what else he has to say. He said, so if you run into a big black bear or a mountain lion, he said, don't run. <laughs> Not a problem. I can't run that fast. <laughs> Here's the reality. Everybody else around me that was more fit were probably thinking, we'll run, we'll leave her as his food. <laughs> we cannot, may not be able to outrun the bear, but we can outrun her, you know. So the reality said, don't run. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, no problem there. And then he said, the next thing you need to do is make yourself big. Pick up your hands and make yourself big. Okay, I make myself big. And then it hit me that in the Lord, quit lacking confidence. He has given us the spiritual authority. We are the children of the Most High God. We are His children. We can get big with confidence, but with His confidence, we can walk in freedom because of Him. I certainly can't do it, but He did it. And so He said, get big. I'm thinking I spiritualize these things when I'm at Big Ben as well. Okay, so I can get big. I can be confident in the Lord. Okay, help, in other words, if the bear comes toward me. All right, the second thing he said is, after you do that, if he keeps coming, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's going to keep coming. All right, he said, the next thing you do is make a lot of noise. Noise, okay, noise. And then I get to thinking, okay, I can pray. I will start praying like crazy because certainly I don't want to be this bear's food. 
And so I remember the scriptures that I know and hit in my heart. I can start praying and saying, God, help me get this bear some other food, you know. Have him take the slender one. They got, you know, good bone. But anyway, so begin praying. And then I thought, what else could I do for noise? And then I thought, oh, I know what else I can do for noise. I can sing. That'll really get the bear right. <laughs> Hear me sing and he'll run scared. Anyway, so I can sing. So I thought, yeah, I can start singing the songs and everything where the Lord hits me. And that's what we should do when we face our enemy. Be confident in the Lord. Use the spiritual authority that he has given us. Begin praying. Begin praying against him. Begin binding his authority. Begin loosing God's authority. Begin singing praises. See, when we start doing these things, the enemy cannot stay in the midst. That's why I love worship. Boy, he goes, oh my gosh, get me out of here. They're worshiping this living God. That's what we need to learn to do when we fight the enemy. But here's the deal, guys. It's only believers that can exert that authority. So the question I have for you is, are you a believer? Is your name written in the book of life? Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your savior? So the first thing that I want to do is I want everybody to close their eyes. And if you're a seeker, or you're ready to make a decision, I want you to pray this prayer after me. I want you to think about that because only believers have the authority to fight the enemy in Jesus' name. And in your heart, you don't have to pray this out loud, but in your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you were the Messiah come in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil. You died on the cross for my sins and rose again the third day from the dead. I now confess all my sins and repent. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me for all sin. Thank you for redeeming me, cleansing me, justifying me, and sanctifying me in your blood. If you prayed that prayer, you are now part of God's tribe. You now have the authority to use against the enemy. Now, here's one final thing I want to do because some of us out here didn't even, we weren't even aware that we have an enemy or if we were aware, we don't really do anything. We just continue to allow the onslaught of defeat in our lives. And we don't have to. So I would like for everybody to stand together and let's pray this prayer corporate thing, but here it is. Father God, this one I'd like for you to pray out loud because voice gives to the enemy, all right? Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We ask that you please forgive us for all the times we have not submitted to you. Forgive us for all sinfulness and for agreeing 
with the enemy and his lies. We submit to you, Jesus. We break every agreement that we have made with the enemy. We now ask you to establish a hedge, a protection around us, over us, under us, and our families, and seal it with your blood. We now choose to put on the full armor of God and ask that you cleanse us and seal us, body, mind, soul, and spirit with your blood. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to be our constant guide, defender, protector, and friend. You learn to use your authority so the enemy can't hold anything over you. Don't forget who you are, a child of the living God. You may have a seat. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.